That's a growler. Hello and welcome to the Never Ending Minute. This is Thomas Howith and I'm here to introduce you to my new show, which I'm doing with Steve Lasto, who was a great guest on this show, and our friend Jerry O'Brien, where we're going to be analyzing the X-Men movies one chapter at a time. I hope you enjoy and thanks for keeping the feed going because we do have more Never Ending Minute coming. Born with extraordinary talents and abilities. Why X-Men? X is a variable. Mary Marvel Marching Society membership card. There's tons of X-Men universes. First class. X-Men United. There's a future past. Age of Apocalypse. These children of the atom. Kitty Pride. Gambit. Wolverine. Beast. Professor Charles Xavier. See, I did an X word there. <laughs> Protect the world with fears and hates them. The danger room. Nitpick. Ah, kids. <laughs> the uncanny X-Men. Hello and welcome to the X-Minutes, where we examine, exalt, and explore the X-Men movies one chapter at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Thomas Howard. I'm Jerry O'Brien. And I'm Steve Lasta. Gentlemen, it's time. We've sat on this project long enough. <laughs> I think it's time that we finally put some stuff down and let the listeners get into this with us. You guys ready? Yeah. I haven't actually watched the movie yet. Oh my gosh. I forgot to do that too. Wait, what's the name of the movie? X Punisher. I don't know. There's so many ways to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> no X-rated jokes. We need to be. Um, we need to be. Um, be iTunes safe to a certain degree, right? <laughs> Family friendly. <laughs> Family friendly. All right. So for those of you that are new to the minute by minute podcast genre kind of thing, uh, I'm Thomas Howarth. I previously hosted on the Never Ending Minute. And now I've decided to take on a larger project with Steve and Jerry doing these X-Men movies. Uh, Steve, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. And um, I um, also previously co-hosted a minute-by-minute podcast with uh, Jonathan Carlyle, who is now doing a UHF 60-second podcast. UHF is a movie with um, Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, But Jonathan and I did the Princess Bride Minute. And uh, Jerry, our third co-host here, was um, was a guest in that show. And this is my first time hosting or co-hosting a podcast, and I want to thank both of you guys for making me feel so welcome. I think this is going to go great. And Jerry, you've already shown that you have the knowledge to back this up far, probably far more than I do. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to learning from you guys. And uh, I'm the baby here. <laughs> <laughs> hard hard to believe at my age that I could possibly be the, the baby of anything. A young whippersnapper. You guys have me beat. <laughs> Jerry definitely comes with a deep well of pop culture. Jerry's not that much older than me, first of all. But I am the middle child here, which is nice. But Jerry comes with a deep, deep well of of pop culture history. So, I mean, he's going to be a great, a great addition to this community that we're a part of into this podcasting world. Yeah, we couldn't be in better, um, better shape with him as a guest or as a co-host. Excuse me. I was actually looking through my... Essential X-Men trade paperback today, and I was trying to figure out what issue of the X-Men I remember being the first one that I ever read. I think it was issue number four, which would have been around spring of 1964, when I was about five years old, five and a half years old. So, I'm, d- I'm dating myself. What happens in issue number four? Issue number four, it had the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants on the cover, and it was the return of the dreaded Magneto. Who had been missing for all of two issues, I assume. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a long time back in those days. 
I, now, back in those days, how often were these coming out? Every month. Every month. Okay. As quick as Stan Lee could make them. <laughs> well, hopefully, we'll get this podcast out more often than that. <laughs> uh, Thomas, do you know what your first issue of X-Men was? I honestly don't know that I've bought an issue of X-Men. Oh. I've probably read a couple here and there that I've just seen lying around, but my background mostly comes from the cartoons. I was a cartoon kid, you know, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and when X-Men came on, I was all about it. I loved the storylines. I loved the characters. I loved the way their lives all interconnected and finding out who was related to who and and how that dynamic affected, you know, what they were doing for their teams and what they were doing for the other team, even in some cases. Uh, I just really, really connected with it. And then, of course, when the movies came out, I was like, oh, I get to see the cartoons come to life. This is amazing. That's where I'm coming in at. Was your first cartoon the um, the 90s one? Yes. Uh, is that just called X-Men? I believe so. I'll have to look now. Great series. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. Um, I, I Googled it real quickly. I wasn't sure. I know the next one was X-Men Evolution. Right. And I know there's Wolverine in the X-Men, which is actually the one I've probably seen the most of. And there's also an yeah, anime it's... series. Now, if I remember right, the X-Men cartoon was one of the first, like, really serialized cartoons where the stuff that happened in one episode affected the stuff that happened in the next episode. I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. I'm afraid. No. Well, just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not an American cartoon isn't, isn't coming to mind, but you know, as early as the early 1980s, there was Robotech and star blazers. Um, true. Like the, a lot of the foreign, um, anime kind of stuff that was coming out. Sure. Um, they seem to be a, a advanced from where we were as Americans. I mean, GI Joe didn't have a, a storyline that really, I mean, other than two parters or whatever, it didn't sure. have a storyline that, that went over a whole season. The X-Men animated though, may have been the first American superhero series that was really faithful to the comic books. There had been previous adaptations of American superheroes, like super friends and things like that. Sure. And they kind of watered down whatever the comic story that they were basing their cartoon on. Whereas the X-Men series took it very seriously and did a very faithful, I would say, adaptation. Do you agree, Steve? I, I absolutely agree. And um, I'd also say this movie did a pretty faithful adaptation within the constraints that, you know, such a big jump from the printed page can, can you know, can handle. Um, oh, I loved the nods that they gave in this movie to... Um, both the cartoons and the comics where, you know, stuff like, what do you expect me to be in a, a yellow jumpsuit? Yellow spandex. Like, yeah, yellow spandex. Like, that stuff is, is amazing because, yes, some people did expect that. And I'm sorry, guys, that's not real world. That works great for a comic and it works great for uh, a cartoon, but it doesn't necessarily translate to live. Have they have they had them wear the yellow spandex at all in any of the movies since? I kind of feel like they, they I feel like they did in the um uh the movie that the one that takes place in nineteen sixties, the the kind of uh, quasi reboots. If you've seen the second solo Wolverine movie, which I think was set in Japan and called The Wolverine, yep. at the very end, Logan is given a box, a gift, and inside it is the closest thing you'll see on film to his yellow spandex comic book. Outfit to his original, where he fights the Hulk outfit. Yes, uh, that's a great outfit. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't wear it, but you see him open the box, and it's very obvious what it is because you see the the helmet, 
uh, and the rest of the yellow spandex that makes up the costume. Yeah. That's an excellent look. I like a lot of the classic outfits, though. I didn't get to answer my own question, so I want to jump back real quickly. Um, yeah, what was your first comic experience with the X-Men? My first X-Men comic was X-Men number 160, Uncanny X-Men number 160, um, which came out in about 1980, I'm guessing, maybe 1982. So I'd been reading comics on and off since I was probably five years old at that point. But X-Men number 160 is the issue where Ilyana, Peter Rasputin Colossus's sister, um, enters enters into a demonic limbo and um, with an alternate reality version of the X-Men and then emerges as like, and I'm saying this through the eyes of a 12-year-old boy here, emerges as like a super hot teenage blonde girl wearing like a, a torn up dress thing. And the whole issue blew my mind, all of it. The, 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 the concept of the X-Men, the, I mean, Ilyana, I just, I just happened to really like as a character. It also had Kitty Pride who I really enjoy as a character, was one of the featured characters. I mean, it was like nothing I'd ever read before. In fact, it was a very women-focused issue. Um, Storm, Ilyana, Kitty are three of the main protagonists. Do you remember and, who the writer was? Oh, it's Chris Claremont. Okay. We can say, we can, I can jump, we can say that for nearly any X-Men comic, though. <laughs> well, when you started talking about female-oriented, my first thought was maybe was it, uh, and this would have been much later, probably at least 10 years, uh, Josh Whedon's run on the comic. And... You know, mentioning that one of my one of my favorite things about um, about Joss Whedon's run on that comic is how he started it with the professor's Professor Xavier is a jerk sort of callback, which is from like Uncanny One Sixty Eight or something like that. So the closest I have to a comic is a uh, <laughs> too deep a picture. I have this large, I guess it's like a eighteen inch picture of X Men ninety six. The it's like the cover of X Men ninety six. And I actually have that hanging on my wall. Of, of, of Uncanny 96 from the 70s or from one of the newer runs? It looks like the old one. Nice. <laughs> it's 25 cents, so my guess is it's pretty old. <laughs> I'm going to guess that's around the time John, Thun- John Proudstar died. Let me, let me grab it and see what, uh, what information I can glean off of it. I actually have a bunch of X-Men from uh, the 60s and the 70s. I know, because we've talked about it before, I have that giant size X-Men number one where the team was reintroduced in 1975 with an international cast, including Wolverine. Uh, I also have a bunch of the Barry Smith and Neil Adams comics, like in the final year or two before they canceled X-Men in 1969. I, I don't know what kind of homeowner's insurance you have, but um, you should definitely have that unca- that, that giant size X-Men number one, um, you know, speci- specified on your policy. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. This is uh- a... Yeah. The one I have is, it's the Night of the Demon, is what it says on the cover. And then it says at the bottom, but if the X-Men can't defeat it, it may be the last night on, of the world. I am looking at the cover right now on Marvel.com. That is a, I, if that is as one-off a villain as I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like a Cyclops kind of thing. You know, something worth mentioning to any of our listeners is if, you know, and we're obviously going to focus more on the movie as the podcast um, progresses, is if you're interested in reading any of these comics, Marvel has an app that costs like $10 a month. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can get $10 a month of, of a value out of this app without a question. It basically has nearly everything Marvel has ever done on it. You know, I've been reading a lot of the older X-Men through that app that I don't, I no longer have the, the print issues. Yeah. Yeah. So highly recommended if you, you know, long, these are not really relevant to X-Men in the movie necessarily, but you know, we might, 
mention, you know, when Rogue gets introduced a few chapters in, we might mention Rogue's backstory and say it's an X-Men 171 or something like that. It's actually all right in that. So, you know, if you're listening and you're interested. Comics are a good foundation. But um, just to, to drive us back a bit to the um, to what we're actually doing here, I don't think we told anybody how our format differs from the format that Pete and Alex pioneered over the Star Wars Minute. Good call. Two of us are from the Minute by Minute community, and that kind of a breakdown is fantastic for really digging into a movie, especially if you're only going into one movie. And God bless Pete and Alex for going into all of the Star Wars movies and everybody else that has done long runs. We have a lot of movies to get through, and we're not going to be able to ever get to all of them if we go minute by minute. That being said, we've decided to go chapter by chapter on the DVDs. And that gives a nice breakdown, good stopping points and good conversation points, I think, for still still digging really deep into the movie, but not necessarily into the minute minutia. And still gives us a chance to come up with some really great information and talking talking points. I think it works because scenes are the foundation of all films. You know, uh, you don't judge a film based on its runtime or you know how many minutes a particular scene is it's the totality of a scene that counts right i'll throw two things out there i think um one there's different versions of this movie that are out there they're not terribly many it seems like there are three main differences so for instance um on the x-men dvd actually no on the x-men blu-ray the introduction the introduction and the, the the intro is divided into two, into two chapters on the dvd it's not on the online it's not so we'll we'll try to to be consistent across all formats so that everybody who might be watching this at home and do it going scene by scene is sort of included in you know that it makes sense for everybody the other thing i'll tell you is i'll say is i think that on average these episodes will probably be closer to 45 minutes to an hour because it's only one episode for every three to ten minutes or whatever right the episodes vary immensely you know i mean it was it goes between like 30 seconds and 10 minutes is that right yeah that sounds yeah about that's about right. right yeah and i think some are gonna really lend themselves to a lot of a lot more than others um you know you can only talk so much about the opening sequence um but i imagine you could talk about the first scene of the movie for three years if you wanted to <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah and we'll give you guys chapter breakdowns saying what they start with and what they end with in case you're curious. If you're not actually watching along and you just want to kind of keep an eye on where the story is or what we're going to be talking about that day. So I have some notes on historical context. This movie came out in 2000. I'm going to go out on a limb into the biggest pop culture moment of the year 2000 was the, crea- the, the start of the new millennium when we thought all the plans were going to fall out of the sky. Why <laughs> 2K, baby? <laughs> So that was a pretty big um, that was a pretty big New Year's Eve. Um, do you guys know what you did on New Year's Eve 2000? Or is it New Year's Eve 1999, I guess I'm actually asking. I believe I was out at sea at the time. I was in the Navy for 14 years, and I think I was on a cruise at the time. A cruise, or were you working? I mean, we, we call our, <laughs> our work cruises. When the Navy ship is out at sea, it's called a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to make it slightly bearable. <laughs> you lie to yourself and tell yourself that you're out on a pleasure cruise. I think that I think there's some wisdom there. What What about you, Jerry? I have absolutely no idea. I'm lucky I remember what I did this past New Year's Eve. Hasn't been that interesting for me for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, New Year's Eve was like five days ago, so. <laughs> 
Well, it, was, it was that good of an it was that good of a New Year's for Jerry. <laughs> I I that year was in Paris, um, which was awesome. Oh wow! Yeah, I had a really 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 good New Year's. I I distinctly remember being being a little freaked out about not being home when the world might end, and um, you know, watching New York around three in the morning or whatever six in the morning. I thought, God, I can't believe I stayed up till six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I can stay in bed till six in the morning, I'm happy. Right. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so that was 2000. Um, this was the, um, the ninth highest grossing film worldwide with 296 million plus. The number one movie was Mission Impossible 2, which did 546 million. Uh, Gladiator was in the mix. I believe Gladiator, did Gladiator win the best picture? I believe it did. Castaway, which was the, and the Gladiator made 457 million. Castaway, which was the, that's the Tom Hanks movie, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Which probably also might have won Best Picture if Gladiator didn't. That was probably the battle right there. Made four hundred and twenty-nine mo- million. Um, something called the What Women Want. Um, made that's a Mel Gibson movie. Oh gosh, that was atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> Not my favorite movie. Oh my god. Mel Gibson and he- Helen Hunt, I think. Yes. Oh, I like Helen Hunt. <laughs> I do too. Fans of this podcast will quickly find out that I like blondes. The number five movie was the Disney movie Dinosaur. Was that animated? I don't even know it. I don't know. I know a lot of Disney and I don't know that movie. It made $349 million, so somebody saw it. Number six was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Number seven was Meet the Parents, which unfortunately spawned other movies. (laughs) Number eight was The Perfect Storm, which was the, was it Matt Damon? Is that who that is? Yes. George, is it George Clooney and Matt Damon? I believe so, yes. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Number nine, like I said previously, was The X-Men, which made $296 million. And number 10 was What Lies Beneath, which I don't, I don't recall. <laughs> Me neither. The X-Men movie was the first of, its, of, of the series, obviously. It has probably passed $5 billion in gross in the last couple of days. The franchise, yeah. Sorry, the 10 yeah. movies, yeah. Overall, it's, it's made a lot of money. <laughs> the first X-Men movie is also a first because is I think it's the first Marvel superhero character, costume superhero characters that had a successful movie. Uh, Blade had been made a few years earlier, but Blade doesn't really wear a costume and it. That's more of a, of a horror comic as opposed to a superhero comic. Right. So X-Men was the first Marvel superhero comic book to be successfully translated to the big screen in a more or less faithful adaptation of the comic. I find it hard to believe that Spider-Man didn't come out first. Spider-Man was 2002. No, I know. I, I know. I know. I know it didn't. I just find it hard to believe. Um, I am going to very quickly Google Marvel Marvel's movie history. I'm not sure. Oh, the complete history of Marvel superhero movies, 1990 to 2008. So I assume there was nothing before 1990. I can't remember it. Um, you're, I think it might have been actually, a Captain America movie. Like with the motorcycle? Well, there was the Fantastic Four movie. We won't talk of this. <laughs> so here's what they... I'm not reading too deeply into this, but there was a Captain America movie, which I've seen part of, and there was the Death of the Incredible Hulk, which I've never heard of until this moment. That was probably off of the TV show. Yeah, they, they turned that into a, a movie of the week or something like that. No, right. but this is in the early 1990s. Yeah, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't in the theaters. It was a television movie. Yeah, made for TV. Got it. There was the Fantastic Four movie, which I don't know that ever actually was made. It was made. It's never been released. That's the Roger Corman version. 
and I've seen it. There's a bootleg that you can buy here or there. Apparently, it was made to fulfill a contract because if they didn't make it before like the end of the month, the rights reverted back to Marvel. Sure. Roger Corman went out and made a Captain America movie in three weeks, and it shows. I forgot about this, but there was a Generation X TV movie, which was disappointing. (laughs) It was. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That didn't go so well. I managed to watch that. I think they Americanized Banshee's accent. <laughs> Basically, what you know, it was really into till, till 2000 with X-Men and then Blade and Spider-Man in 2002. But I am, yeah, I, I guess, I guess it's no more unlikely that Iron Man was the first MCU movie. You wouldn't have expected that. But I, I am surprised that Spider-Man wasn't the bet they made. Huh. Um, well, they tried. I mean, James Cameron was supposed to direct a version of Spider-Man I think in the late 80s, but there were lawsuits galore. You know, all the rights were tied up between different companies, and James Cameron never got to make the film, although he is still responsible for the organic web shooters. That was in his version of the script. Interesting. I know that's a large debate amongst everybody, whether organic or mechanical. So they delved into that quite deep on Spider Man Minute. (laughs) I I would, um, I'm going to go with mechanical. Same here. Yeah. Organic just brings up too many problems, I think, like shaping of of everything and like how do you make it do a ball or how do you make it spread wide and all that other stuff. And why would you, why would it come out of your wrist instead of your backside? Oh, that's an, that's an, that's an unpleasant image. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I'm pro-mechanical myself. Plus, the mechanical ties back into the notion that Peter Parker is a very smart young science student. Now, that may not be the way some filmmakers may want to go. They may want to show a a high school student who's more of a nerd as opposed to somebody who's not that smart as opposed to somebody who's really a, a genius. And Peter Parker is a young genius. Right. I don't mind Miles Morales having the um, the organic web shooters, what that's worth, but it's a different character. Yeah, I'm unfortunately not very familiar with My- Miles Morales, although I am very interested in becoming familiar with him. I've heard well, a lot of good stuff, so. I have good news for you. They're making a movie of him. I know. I, they're I'm making like a, a, to full, <laughs> a full release animated cartoon, which should be great. Yeah, the cartoon looks really awesome. Isn't it about the Spider-Verse? I don't know that much about it. I know that it is not in continuity with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's animated. Yes. Yes. Speaking of content with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe that is an excellent segue to our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have tons of stuff to talk about with the with the Marvel Universe. It's going to pop off really big with the opening of our first chapter. So that being said, you guys, thanks for, for tuning in and know that we have tons of content coming for you. If you're interested in connecting with us on social media, you can look almost anywhere at X Minutes Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to find us. If you want to email us, you can email us at xminutespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our website, it's xminutespodcast.com. I didn't know we had a Gmail address until just now. (laughs) (laughs) And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Oh, wrong show. Dang it. (laughs) We are hoping to release full-time, full, you know, proper proper chapter-by-chapter, scene-by-scene episodes no later than the end of January. That sounds about right to me. If you're interested in guesting, um, we are certainly looking for guests. We're, we're very interested in 
getting um, beyond the the movies by minute community to a certain extent. Um, though we're, we're definitely going to have movies by minute guests on. If you're involved in the comic industry, if you've got some connection to the X Men world, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Email us. Gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're you know really going to try to. To mix up the guests a bit, um, we've already got a, I, I don't know this gentleman's name off the top of my head, but um, um, Crystal Crystal Beth introduced us to a gentleman who has written quite a bit about comic books for Comic Shop News, Comic Book Reporter, one of those, and some other things. Um, yeah, so I think you're going to really like, um, like what we do there, but if you're interested in guesting, get in touch. Thanks for uh, stopping by, and in the meantime, Excelsior! Excelsior! Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.